Welcome to the OKC First Church of the Nazarene podcast. At OKC First, we are learning to do three things, friendship with God, friendship with one another, and open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. When Peter saw it, he addressed the people, You Israelites, why do you wonder at this, or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we had made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our ancestors, has glorified his servant Jesus, whom you handed over and rejected in the presence of Pilate, though he had decided to release him. But you rejected the Holy and Righteous One and asked to have a murderer given to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And by faith in his name, his name itself has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given him this perfect health in the presence of all of you. And now, friends, I know that you acted in ignorance as did also your rulers. In this way, God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, that his Messiah would suffer. Repent, therefore, and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for this. I won't need that. That's all right. Well, here we are, third week of Easter. Third week of Easter and, oh, thank you, sir. The third week of a sermon series entitled, um, well, it's going to look like it says, Don't Go There, but it actually is entitled, Go There. I, on Easter Sunday, tried to help you to see this cross as strategically placed on this platform. I'm going to do that again. (laughs) I want you to understand the cross And the resurrection, because you'll notice that the cross is empty. I want you to understand the cross and the resurrection as the axis point, the most important axis point in all of history. Okay, I want you to be a little more excited about it than than that, okay? So this cross and this resurrection, symbolized now by this exploding cross draped in white, You must understand, because Scripture understands it this way, and Jesus himself understands all of this this way, God understands what I'm about to tell you, and God is telling us that everything hinges and changes with this cross and resurrection. And all God's people said, man. I've said this to you before in this sermon series. Okay, if this is a timeline... So you have all the Old Testament stuff. Let's, let's go ahead and start all the way over here at something we'll call creation. Not too long after that, at least where your Bibles are concerned, somewhere around Genesis chapter 12, God says something incredible. Hear this. God says, I will reach the planet. I will have the planet. I will have everyone. And here's the thing. I will, I will do so by having a people to call my own. And through those people that I will call my own, I will reach the planet. Says this to Abram and Sarai who become Abraham and Sarah. And men were often running toward the cross. We're often running toward this incredible moment when everything would change. There are all kinds of promises. God would say stuff like this. I will have the planet. I will take over again. I will restore and redeem all of creation. 
Everything will come back to me. I will finally have what I've always wanted, heaven and earth like this, and redeemed, restored, recovered humanity. Redeemed, restored, recovered relationship with God, or between God and humanity. And Israel, you will be my representatives to accomplish all of this. I will work in and through Israel. And it worked really well until it didn't. Because the people of Israel weren't always up to the challenge, weren't always up to the task. And so it looks for all the world like God did something like this. God says, my dream is for the people of Israel. But the people of Israel become the person, the person of Christ, who does represent, yes, God. Well, we also believe that this Jesus also represents God's highest hopes and dreams for Israel. Jesus came saying and doing peculiar things, at least peculiar where the rest of the planet was concerned. I mean, it is still peculiar, right, to hear someone say, don't resist an evildoer. Turn the, those are still unusual sorts of things, right? But not only was he saying unusual things, he was embodying these same unusual things. And it wasn't just that he would do a miracle here or there because he could do a miracle because, if you'll remember, this is God. This is God doing what God dreams and hopes will be done through his people Israel, but now through this person, the new Israel known as Jesus Christ. But it was so unusual that the rest of the planet had a hard time with it. The competitor ideologies ganged up on Jesus. Jesus offered a different way forward, a different way to be alive. But the competitor ideologies and the competitor kings and queens the competitor kingdom said, no, we are pretty well invested in this way of being alive and this way of moving forward, and you pose a significant threat to all of this. So we have to deal with you to ensure that things keep on the way that they've been going. And so they do deal with him. They have him arrested. He is publicly humiliated. He is tortured. And he is killed. And then these competitor kings and these competitor ideologies, they stand back and they say, okay, we tried to warn him. There is just a certain way to go about this life. There's a certain way to move forward, and that wasn't it. We'll tell you how to move forward in this. What do you mean he's not dead? So he's not dead? So you have the competitor kings and ideology said, so wait, so he's not dead? So you've taken away the one weapon that we thought was our trump card? You, you took away death? That was our bully card. And you took it away? Only to have Jesus say, yeah, I took that away. <laughs> you don't have that anymore. You, you don't get to own death and intimidation anymore. And by the way, Get positioned just right. Now everything has changed. Do you know who was the last to know? The insiders. In order to hear this sermon, you have to understand yourself, at least in some sense, to be the insiders 
who were a lot like, um, you have to understand yourself to be the insiders a lot like the Jews. And I might give them some grace here. This represented a huge departure from what they thought was going to be. Remember we said this also on Easter Sunday. Huge departure. Simon Peter goes to sleep, and while he's asleep, God speaks to him. Says, hey, are you hungry? Simon Peter says, I am famished, God. Bring it on. So, okay, here's a bunch of dirty stuff that you're not allowed to eat. Eat this. And Simon Peter says, ah, no, 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 no. I'm good. I will not eat that stuff. Only to hear, only to hear God say, oh, it's, you can eat that. And by the way, we're talking about more than food. Simon Peter, we have to give Simon Peter some grace. I'm one of those people who are quick to say, bonehead, Simon Peter, the bonehead, right? I think that's in the Greek, actually. But let's give this guy some grace. Everything changed for him here. In fact, things changed so drastically and dramatically for him that God had to help him. It wasn't enough, apparently, to see it all, right? It wasn't enough to be an eyewitness. He still didn't get it. Can you imagine the kind of commentary that he would have written before God got to him to say, no, here's what you saw. And so God said to Peter, it's about more than food, this dream that I've given you. It's about people. So in a moment, there's going to be a knock at the door. They're going to ask you to go with them somewhere. Just go. You're going to end up in the home of a Gentile, and if that's not bad enough, in the home of a Roman soldier, a person of great authority. Yeah, those same Roman soldiers that did this. Go with them. I'm sure at some point, some Peter said, no, 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 no. There's rules. There's rules against this. I'm a Jew. Those are Gentiles. I'm not supposed to go with them. I'm not supposed to be with them. No, go with them. All right, I'll go, but I'm not going to eat with them. No, you go and eat with them, too. All right, I'll go and eat with them, but I'm not, I'm not, no, you go and you do everything I tell you to do. As a matter of fact, you go and you baptize them. Whoa, 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 God, says Simon Peter. Baptism is our thing. <laughs> it's, the in, it's the in crowd thing. It's our thing. Baptize them because they're not us. They are now. And so slowly but surely, God helps Simon Peter, hear this, helps Simon Peter to find his resurrection voice. One of the ways to organize the book of Acts is according to all these different speeches and sermons that we hear Simon Peter giving. Probably the most famous happens in Acts chapter 2. There is this, this giant Pentecost miracle where the Spirit shows up. The Spirit shows up and does something incredible, and all the people are going, what just happened? I think the disciples have been drinking, and maybe I have too because I do not get what is going on here. And Simon Peter stands up and says, nope, no one's drunk. This is what God is doing. As a matter of fact, what God is doing, God told us God would do. No, I'm going to say that again because I'm telling you, you may not know it yet, but that's a great place for an amen. Ready? What God is doing is what God told us God would do. Yep. 
referencing a prophet as far back as Joel. He said, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all people. And Simon Peter says, yeah, remember what you've heard? Look, it's happening. It's happening. We have another speech we're going to look at today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 3, and we'll give these verses that Vinette read for us, we'll give them some context. So, after the giant speech that follows Pentecost, and, and after this, this understanding that the Spirit is organizing us to be the tangible, touchable expression of God as the church, after all of that, we have these beautiful verses toward the end of chapter 2. Acts chapter 3. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And a man lame from birth was being carried in. People would lay him daily at the gate of the temple called the Beautiful Gate so that he could ask for alms from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked them for alms. Peter looked intently at him, as did John. How awkward must that have been? Without an answer, they just stare at this guy. <laughs> and then they say to him, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong, jumping up. He stood and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized him as the one who used to sit and ask for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement as at what had happened to him. While he clung to Peter and John, while he clung to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's portico, utterly astonished. And Simon Peter finds his resurrection voice again. In other words, Simon Peter is ready to help them to know that the resurrection has happened and there are implications, there are ramifications. Before we get any farther, can I ask you and ask us something? Have you found your resurrection voice? Do you know what this means? Are you able to articulate what this means? Most, now I won't say it like that, many folks live their entire lives and they are great, wonderful, loving people who help, who help. But they live on this side of the cross never knowing, never knowing that there is all kinds of life on that side of the cross. Not ever knowing that, sure enough, something happens here that changes the trajectory of human history toward God's dreams for it. What happens here is not just huge, it's huge and it worked. It's a good thing. God wins here. And we continue to implement and announce this victory Except for those folks who are stuck and so stuck over here that they don't really know what to do. We can kind of sort of get to the cross, but the resurrection, I'm still not sure what to do with that. So a frustrated Simon Peter says the following. <laughs> when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. 
You Israelites, you can almost hear it in his voice, right? Why do you wonder at this? And why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we had made him walk? The God of Abraham, oh, this is so important. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our ancestors has glorified his servant Jesus, whom you handed over and rejected in the presence of Pilate, though he had decided to release him. In other words, here's what Simon Peter's saying to the people. What God did is what God told us God was going to do. What God is doing now is what God told us God was going to do. It's all happening in the good sorts of ways right now. It's all happening, but you all don't get it now, and you certainly didn't get it back then because you decided you wanted Barabbas instead of Jesus, Israelites. But you rejected the holy and righteous one and asked to have a murderer given to you. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. Now, what does that little phrase refer to, to this we are witnesses? To what? Just the resurrection? Not just the resurrection. What Simon Peter is saying is, we have all seen what we all did. This is why it's so important. We have all seen what we did. We chose something other than the hope offered to us in Christ. Simon Peter too, right? Because didn't he deny Jesus, I don't know, once, twice, maybe three times? To this we are witnesses, that we so misunderstood and didn't get what was going on here. We all were in that crowd at some point that day saying, yeah, we'll take him. Not Jesus seems like an upset to the apple cart that I can't handle. Go ahead and give me Barabbas. Makes some sense. He's a mass murderer, revolutionary, dangerous. Yeah, give me him. In other words, sometimes religious people don't pay attention. I didn't expect an amen. I, I don't expect an amen there. You don't have to say that. Yeah, it was not. I'm sorry, what did you say? <laughs> Our history demonstrates that sometimes religious people, the people for whom this story is written, the people who are supposed to be main characters in the story, sometimes religious people way back when, thankfully it's just way back when, just don't get it. And they never find their resurrection era voices. Do you get it? Do I get it? Have you found your resurrection voice? Let me ask you a question again. It may be troubling, and if it's troubling, it's okay. I want you to go in search of the answer. Has the resurrection changed your day-to-day -day life yet? If it hasn't, you have a real problem. The resurrection changes all the rules, and that's really a problem for the folks who love the rules. Doesn't do away with the rules. The cross and the resurrection demonstrate the ultimate embodiment of the highest hopes of the law. So here's what happened, Simon Peter says. It's by faith in the name of Christ. It's by faith 
that sure enough, God is doing what God has always promised to do. It's by faith in that name that this has happened. By faith in his name, his name itself has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given him perfect health in the eyes, in the presence of all of you. And now, friends, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. That's a huge point here, okay? Were they sinning just because they didn't get it? Well, Simon Peter seems to say that there's a difference between being evil and ignorant. Can we all agree that we don't want to be either one? But Simon Peter seems to draw a distinction between evil and ignorant. But we don't want to be either one. In this way, God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets that his Messiah would suffer. Oh, this is so important. Repent, therefore, and turn to God. Remember, he's talking to Jewish people, the folks who understood themselves to be proud owners of the story that should have allowed them to understand what was going on here, but they didn't. And so, Simon says, repent, turn, reorient, realign, and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. Here in this passage to repent. Hear this. We're coming in for the home stretch. To repent is to align one's life with the trajectory, with the trajectory of God and the mission of God seen most clearly in the cross and the resurrection of Christ. Oh, I thought repent meant to say, I'm really sorry for what I did. Okay, it's in there somewhere, but more importantly than I'm just sorry for what I did, and I really wish I hadn't done it, and I really wish I hadn't been caught. The better understanding of repentance goes like this. God, I understand my life to be taking a particular trajectory, but as I track your movement in the pages of Scripture, and especially in this great chapter, the best chapter known as the cross and the resurrection, I track that your trajectory is going this way. Repentance is the way that you move from this trajectory over to God's trajectory. So that with your life, you do what you see Christ doing. So that with our lives together, we do what we see Peter and John doing. Later on, the same speech. He's pleading with them now. I can hear it in his voice. He's pleading with us now. You are the descendants of the prophets. You are the descendants of the prophets and of the covenant that God gave to your ancestors. Remember this one? Saying to Abraham, and in your descendants all the families of the earth shall be blessed. He's pleading with them now. Receive your inheritance. Take up residence in this story that is yours. Be the people of God. Implementing, implementing and announcing the hope that is ours because of the cross, yes. But the resurrection makes the cross, not the other way around. Maybe a simpler way to say it would be this. 
Simon Peter is pleading with them and with us to be resurrection people, to find our resurrection voice. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. Now, this is tough here. Now, hear this, wicked ways. Now, when he says this stuff about wickedness, is he talking about the time that I stole that stuff from that store? Yes, he is. (laughs) But in a larger sense, what's being called wicked here is you insisting on this interpretation of God's story rather than allowing yourself to be captured by God's interpretation of God's story. Remember this? I remember this. I know it's cliche, but it does feel like yesterday. (laughs) It was a mess. And I don't know that the people of God, and and let's give grace here too, I don't know that the people of God in the immediate aftermath, because it it was fresh, the wound was fresh, I don't know that the people of God in the immediate aftermath were fully in charge of their resurrection voices. Here's what I remember in the aftermath. There was a bloodlust. How many of you were here? Remember that? There was fear. There was paranoia. There was misinformation, and that misinformation caused us to look kind of funny at folks who don't look like us. There were people perfectly willing to mete out vigilante justice. Many of those people, many of those people would find their ways to church that next Sunday. That was a big time attendance Sunday after that. Kind of like after 9-11, right? Lots of people found their way to church. I don't know that we all, though, had found our resurrection era voice. I'm drawn to this. Every time I go down there, I'm drawn to this graffiti that that they have kept We search for the truth. We seek justice. The courts require it. The victims cry for it. And God demands it. Why do I think when the word justice is used there that what they actually mean is vengeance? That's not our resurrection voice. I remember the rage. There was, there was fear, and as soon as we started to get over the fear, it was all out rage, 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 rage. Now, pardon me, because this is corny. <laughs> but our resurrection people know that in some sense, we've replaced the rage with a, with a race. I don't know if you've ever been to this marathon thing. Maybe, maybe you haven't because you're really good church people and it's on a Sunday, how dare they? <laughs> we have wanted to make that a part, and we have tried to, and we will continue to try to make that a part of our regular rhythm of being together as a body of Christ because I want us to participate in finding our resurrection voice to replace the rage with a race. And hear this, I've been there at the very beginning, I've been there at the very end. 168 seconds of silence, 25,000 or so runners that fall silent in reverence. 
kind of have been to church. Oh, y'all, but then at the end, (laughs) at the end, that last, I don't know, quarter of a mile, when people are blistered up pretty good, (laughs) when people are struggling to put one foot in front of another, that last quarter mile where you've got hard-working runners and then hard-working clappers who are saying, you can do this. Man, if you've been and heard those opening 168 seconds, and you've been and you've seen you participated in that last bit right there, maybe you have been to church. Maybe, maybe that's a glimpse of the people of God finding their resurrection voice. If you're helping us with communion today, if you could go ahead and find your, your way down here. We practice an open table here at Oklahoma City First Church of the Nazarene. In fact, we practice an open table in the Church of the Nazarene. Here's what that means. You do not have to have it all together to come and take part in this ritual. Let me take some pressure off of you. If you come and take part in this ritual, we are not assuming that you have it all together. <laughs> we probably assume that all of us, me included, have some work to do yet. But we know we need a Savior. And not just the one who died, but we need this one who lives to help us to know what it means to be people of the resurrection, to help us to find our resurrection voice, each of us and all of us. Heavenly Father, bless these elements. Use them, God, to help us, to move us, to strengthen us, to be your people. God, we don't want to be evil or ignorant. (laughs) We're coming to the table because we don't want to be evil for sure. But God, would you teach us teach us with this ceremony? Would you teach us as we are involved in this body, people of God? Would you teach us, God, what it means to find our resurrection voices? Will you show us that there is a new way of life available to us in the light of the resurrection? God, give us grace because like Simon Peter, we're still working all of this out. We know that you'll give us grace, God. But stick with us, help us, move us as we continue to appropriate the resurrection, as we continue to be ambassadors of this new kind of kingdom that is now unleashed across the resurrection, the ascension, Pentecost. Convince us all over again, God, of the power of selfless, sacrificial, inclusive love. And God, nourish us with these gifts now, the bread and the cup. Because, God, it's one thing to see what we could be. It's another thing, God, to put one foot in front of another to get all the way there. God, nourish us with the bread and the cup so that aspirational values can become actual values. 
In a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand and exit your pew to the left and then come forward. Come forward with your hands cupped to receive the bread. The bread, when it's pressed into your hands, you'll hear someone say, this is the body of Christ broken for you, love personified. Take that piece of bread, dip it into the cup. When you do, that person will say, the blood of Christ shed for you, love personified. And then take and eat and be strengthened by it. (laughs) Be strengthened so that someday you might be the bread that is taken, blessed, broken, and given in your effort to announce the hope that is ours in the resurrection. There is also here a bowl of water. Because it may be that you need to be reminded of your baptismal vows. You joined this very unique family, this unusual family with unusual marching orders. And it may be that you need to just touch that water to be reminded again that you are not your own. What do I do once I dip my hands in it? You can do whatever you want. Some people place the sign of the cross on their heads. Some people just dry their hands off. I want to encourage you to at least consider that. We won't have a system here. It's just a whatever you want. It was on the night that he was betrayed that our Savior took bread. He blessed it. He broke it. Gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body broken for you. Every time you eat of it, remember me. Later he would take the cup. He would hold it before them and he would say, and this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant shed for you. Every time, every time you receive this cup, remember me and be nourished and be strengthened to be my This is an open table. All who recognize their need of a Savior, you are all now invited to stand. If you can't come to us, Jason will come to you. But across the sanctuary now, stand and be nourished toward resurrection life. gives up, never runs out on me. Your love never fails and never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love never fails and never gives up, never runs out on me.
Padded altars are available to you if you need a prayer for healing. Someone will meet you there, anoint you with oil, and pray that very powerful prayer. These other altars are for any kind of praying, and you are always welcome at these altars. to pray that prayer for repentance that prayer that seeks your realignment I want to encourage you to pray it now God align me with your passion and your purposes the trajectory of your story
if here you need to pray a simple prayer seeking forgiveness, I am glad to remind you that this is a gracious God who has gone way out of his way to demonstrate his heart and passion for you. I encourage you to pray that prayer seeking forgiveness with great confidence now. said in this prayer for healing. This is a good time for you to pray for someone you know to be sick, injured, hurt somehow. If you know someone in need of physical or emotional, perhaps relational healing, I want to encourage you to pray that prayer right now. Be specific. awkwardly move out into resurrection light, we confess that we don't always know what steps to take, what to do, what to say. But you have given us gifts like this prayer that you taught your disciples to pray. And so long as we have this, God, we have some idea of how our steps might be ordered. So church, I want to invite you now to pray this prayer, the one that Christ taught his disciples to pray. We'll pray it using debts and debtors, but we'll also pray it knowing that this is where God is taking us now. Let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power 